So yeah, as, as we continue to go through the Gospel of John and these I am statements, there, there's seven-ish of these statements that Jesus makes that he claims. He says, I am. Um, and the reason we're doing this is because this is really Jesus explaining who he really is, okay? And so it's important at times to focus on what he did, uh, but these I am statements really tell you who he is because you can know a lot about somebody without actually knowing that person, okay? And I'll say that again. It's possible to know a lot about a person, even the person Jesus, but to not actually believe in and know um, that person. And so the reason we want to do that is because we really, truly believe that as we go through life, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is that he will slowly transform us from the inside out, okay? And so that's why we want to always be looking to Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of Jesus, that we observe him, we fix our attention on him, and we allow him through the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so that's why we always focus on identity. We always focus on uh, who we are in Christ. Because here's the thing. I Did you know I can convince you to change your behavior? You know that, right? I can use guilt. I can use manipulation. I can use fear. Right? Maybe you grew up in that home that the, the, the household was all about performance, was all about looking good on the outside. Maybe this is the house you grew up in. Maybe it's the house you're in right now. And to be honest... Parents, I can get my girls to perform. You know what I mean? I can get them to do the right thing, but it, it never attacks their little hearts. And if you've ever, if you grew up in that house, you know that the house that looks perfect on the outside, but on the inside, there's no love. You know that you know that you know when you walk into that house, there's the smell of death. Right? That everything looks perfect, but something's not right there. Versus the house that is built on the love of Jesus and the house that's built on unconditional love of one another, right? That my girls know that my love for them is not based on how they perform, right? And the, and the cool thing is when they get that, the behavior kind of takes care of itself, you know? And so this is why we always want to be focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we would have our life built on that firm foundation. That's the song we just sang, by the way. I'm glad you pointed that out, Heather. That when our life is built on the foundation of the gospel, that our lives will change. It really will. And we allow the Lord to work through us, and so it's an inside-out um, theology, right? And so, yeah, behavior is important. It really is. I, I hope that you're not cheating on your taxes, you know. Uh, I, I hope you're not uh, running illegal dog fights in your basement. I really do. I really do. Uh, uh, but if those are the problem, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're going to let the Holy Spirit work within this. And here's the great thing. Did you know I'm not the Holy Spirit? Thank God, right? It's not my job to change you. It's not my job to manipulate you. It's not. And, and we've got uh, several spouses in the room. Did you know you're not the Holy Spirit to your spouse? It's not your job to change your spouse. It's not your job to change your kids. It's not, right? It's our job to build a home, to build a family on the love of Jesus Christ, the unconditional acceptance 
of the Lord. That that's what it means when we're in Christ. And then we let the Holy Spirit, he'll take care of that behavior. Now we still address the behavior. We do at times, uh, right? But that's not what we're 100,000% about, okay? And so we're always going to err on the side of grace. Anyways, all that to say, this is why we're looking at Jesus. when We want to see who is he really? Because we want to fix our eyes um, on him. And so look at John uh, chapter 10. Let me get there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 10. So this is the second part of uh, this dialogue that Jesus is having um, with this group of people. A big part of the, a, a group of people are these Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if you, um, if you know or if you don't know, those are the guys that are the super religious elite that their, um, their righteousness came from outside in. They had an outside in theology. And Jesus comes along and he's preaching a inside out theology. Okay? And so he's diametrically opposed with these guys. And they're always, uh, they're always uh, uh, busting heads with them. They're always disagreeing with Jesus. And so last week we started this dialogue he's having in John chapter 10. And remember he's speaking to this crowd and those guys are there. Um, and in John chapter 10, we have two of the I am statements of Jesus. And last week we looked at one, uh, we talked about where he looked and he said, I am the gate of the sheep. <clears throat> and this week we're going to look at him saying, I am the good shepherd. So chapter 10, verse 1, I'm going to read a little bit um, and uh, let's receive this. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, this is in red letters, so this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And, and so pause there. If you'll remember, there is a, in this context, there's a lot of things that is communicated that they didn't have to communicate in the first century. You, you remember we talked about with a sheep and a shepherd and a sheepfold and what we said uh, last week that we do need to talk about real quick because we don't really understand this. Any sheep farmers in the room? No, I don't even need a, I don't even need a waste, my, like wait, okay? So what he's talking about is, is a shepherd, his 100% job was to take care of these sheep and he's painting this picture. Um, he says, when he talks about a man does not enter the sheep pen, that's at the end of the day, he would, he would shepherd all his sheep. It's, it's just a little pen. It's not big. It just depends on the size of the flock. And it was, had walls built, uh, usually by stone. And the walls, remember, the sheep are short and dumb and not super athletic. And so the walls were only about, you know, 36 inches tall. <clears throat> and so they had this a sheep pen where he would put his sheep at the end of the day. Sometimes it was off by itself. Sometimes it was attached to their house. 
but the point being is there's this there's a way for the sheep to get in okay and then at the end of the day what the shepherd would do is he would lie down in the opening of the the uh, wall and and he would be the gate right and so this is why when jesus is saying all this everybody who's listening is going yeah we, we know all this we know and so that's why we explain this for a minute and so jesus what he says is i am the gate i am the door this is all last week uh, by the way you can go listen to it later if you want and what he's pointing at is he's comparing himself to these other people and he said these thieves and robbers come and they try to steal my sheep and who's he talking about He's talking about those Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about these false teachers and this false gospel. And last week we talked about that every generation has a false gospel. And we have to be aware of it. That there, is, there are thieves and robbers that are looking to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, and we talked about a couple of false gospels last week. Isolation. We talked about the false gospel of perfectionism. Um, all those type of things. And, and this is why Jesus says, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says what? But I have come so you may have life and have it to the fullest. And so last week we talked when Jesus says, I am the door, that he is protecting us from these false gospels. Is that, is that there's always going to be these, these thieves trying to get in, trying to steal the sheep. And so he says, I am uh, the door. Uh, verse 6, G, uh, Jesus uses figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, so verse 7, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. So he's talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's a pretty awkward moment, by the way, because he's talking about them and they're standing right there. Uh, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I may come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And so pause there just for a second. As we've been looking at these I am statements of Jesus, remember that's the promise that Jesus made and that's the promise that we're going after is he's promised life and promised it to the fullest. And what we'll see, and, and my guess is everybody in this room is old enough to know We've all bowed down to false gospels, right? You don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I know the answer, right? We've all followed these false idols. We all have, right? And we all know where that road ends, don't we? It ends in death. It ends in disappointment. It ends in stealing your joy, killing your vitality, and, and even robbing you of relationships. And then Jesus says, but I've come so that you may have not only life, but have it to the fullest Right, And that we can find the greatest joy in things because we worship the creator of those things, not the things. Are you all with me on that? And so this is why I believe Christians should and, and do. We need to be people that we enjoy things even more so than the world does. Right? Is that we need to be people that when we eat a, a steak, when we go on a great vacation, uh, when we have a... a uh, I don't know, when we're exercising anything that we experience this, this, this fullness of joy that the rest of the world doesn't because our joy isn't in the thing, our joy is in the creator of the thing. And it points us to worship towards Him. Are you with me on that? Okay, and so keep going. 
And then uh, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So that's where we are this week, the good shepherd. The, and then he compares. He says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So that's just a reference at this time. He's only speaking to Jewish people. At this time, he's only going after um, uh, uh, Jews. And that's a reference to the Gentiles, that eventually he'll bring in Gentiles and they'll become grafted in with Israel that will later become known as the church because the church doesn't exist yet. Okay, so that's what that is when he says, hey, I have other people. Uh, verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life not only to take oh, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so this is a pretty famous section of scripture. And what we're going to do here is usually we can focus on one of two things. And I really like what Heather said a lot, uh, several times this morning. Is you've probably heard this preached at some point in your life. You've probably heard it referenced. And oftentimes our focus tends to be on the sheep. Right? We can focus on what it means to be sheep. We can focus on, and again, there are some things that they would understand in that context that aren't necessarily written in the Gospel of John, but that just come with their culture. Like they, they know that, that sheep are just dumb. You all know that, right? That, that doesn't come as a shock, right? Uh, they know that sheep, um, they have no defense mechanism. Did you know that? Like when sheep get attacked by wolves, what they do is they huddle up together. They don't even run. They just huddle up together and just pray for the best. Okay? Uh, they're easy prey. Um, another thing we know about sheep, and it's not uh, written in here, is, is they don't, they, they, they can err on two different ways. One, they can just wander off. They'll just, they'll just follow each other. Sheep have even been known to literally follow each other off the edge of a cliff and just die like lemmings. You know, that they just... And so they'll do that, um, and sometimes they'll even, they'll just stay in one area and graze. If, if they're left to, their, to themselves, if they don't have a shepherd leading them, what they'll do is they'll just stay in this one spot and graze until the grass is dead. And then they die. I'm not making this up. 
okay? And so sheep, again, this is all just cultural. They're not the brightest little critters, okay? And so when Jesus paints this picture, what he's doing is, again, he's, and our emphasis can't be on how dumb we are as sheep. I think that's important to at least reference occasionally. I'll always remind us how dumb we are, okay? You're welcome to do that with me as well. It goes both ways. Uh, but we always want to focus on not the dumbness of the sheep, but the goodness of the shepherd. Okay, because if all we do is walk out of here and talk about how dumb sheep are, then probably you're going to be very uh, self-motivated. I've got to be less dumb. I've got to do the right things. And we're back to outside-in theology, right? I've got, got to make myself smarter. I've got to work harder. No, or if we focus on the goodness of the shepherd, on his love for us, that's inside-out theology, and that uh, can change us. And so this is what I want to point out. Look at verse... Um, this is what Jesus seems to be doing. In verse 12, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then immediately, I'm sorry, that was in verse 11. And then immediately, verse 12, he says what? The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. And so what Jesus seems to be doing in this uh, image is he's, he is contrasting the good shepherd, and he calls them hired hands, or we can call them bad shepherds, right? And so he is spending a little bit of time saying, hey, there's a good shepherd and there's also these false shepherds, or, or there's these uh, proper gospels and there's also these, um, these thieves and these uh, liars. And so I have this question written down. It says, who am I following? Who's my confidence in? Am I following the good shepherd or am I following these false shepherds? Okay, and, and let me say this, when we hear false shepherd, a lot of us think this thing. When we hear false teaching, a lot of times we think of a guy standing up in front, he's got a black suit on and probably a red tie, and he has horns coming out, but he's combed his hair in such a way. When we hear the word false teaching, and he's standing up and he's saying, hey, Jesus wasn't really God, he's saying things like, uh, you need to perform better in order for the Lord to love you. Like we hear the word false teaching and we think of that, right? Which that is false teaching, okay? That is. Uh, but most of the time there is subtlety to false teaching. It's not that a false teacher or that false theology or a false gospel or that a false shepherd, it is rarely that they try to turn us 90 degrees and go this way. Usually it's they try to turn us about 0.1 degree. This much. And then, we, and then we, we go down that way. And then what happens? Then we turn another 0.1 degree. And we turn. And so we've, we've got to be aware that when Jesus, and again, this is what he's doing. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. And he's contrasting. Guys, there's false shepherds. He's saying there's false gospels. There are. And we need to be aware of these aren't necessarily trying to get you to turn 180 degrees from Jesus. But it's a slow, slow faith. And even that slow fade, oftentimes it's very cultural. Things that sound good, things that go well on coffee cups, things that we cross-stitch on pillows, things uh, that, that sound encouraging but have no basis in the Bible. Like this, God won't give you more than you can handle. That is absolutely unbiblical. Uh, but I heard it uh, within the past two weeks, by the way, by a guy that he meant, he meant well. He was going through a difficult time. Um, and he looked at me and said, well, but God said he won't give us more than we can handle, you know. Um, and, and that is one de point one degrees to the left. And it becomes accepted. This is false teaching. This is a false 
shepherd trying to lead us astray. Because if I believe that, if I believe that, I'm in trouble. Because when I actually study the Bible, it actually says God gives us way more than we can handle. So that our, our, our dependency is not on ourselves, but completely on Him. Right? And, and, and that is, by the way, what it means to be in Christ is this daily, God, I, I need you 100%. Not 99%. We'll get to that in uh, one second. And so anyways, I have that written down. Who am I following? Who's my confidence in? The good shepherd or the false shepherd? And this is what I have here. Here's, here's one of the big differences between me and actual, literal, physical sheep. And, and please receive this. This might blow your mind. It might be possible that you are a false shepherd. It's very possible that I, in, in talking about Russell, that I myself am trying to lead myself astray. Are you following me on this? And here's the thing. I'm really convincing to me, right? You're really convincing to you, right? But this is something that I listened to a sermon this week and I was reminded of. Nobody has disappointed you more than who? You. Nobody has lied to you more than who? You, right? Nobody has set higher unrealistic expectations of yourself than who? You, right? And, and this is what I mean. This is not self-hate, by the way. This is just reality. Is that when Jesus is talking about these false shepherds, guys, we have to be aware that I am a terrible self-shepherd, right? But I always, uh, how many times have we made this promise, right? This is the last time I'm going to get through it. This, this is the time I'm putting my foot down. Right? Anyone else? Or, or, or this is another lie that we tell, to our, uh, tell ourselves. Next week, I'm going to start down that path. Or tomorrow, I'm going to start. I mean, and it can be anything. Right? T tomorrow, I'm making this promise to myself. I'm, I'm going to start praying more. Tomorrow, I'm going to start studying Scripture more. Even silly things. Tomorrow, I promise myself I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start calling my mom more. Nobody has lied to you, disappointed you, and set higher expectations of yourself than you. And so this is why I want us to be aware that our false shepherds may be us. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter 14, please. Proverbs chapter 14. And Proverbs is written, it's just a bunch of little bitty sayings. And so there's not a ton of context, but I want to read this. And I want you to have it underlined in your Bible. I hope you write in your Bible. If not, that's okay. So Proverbs should be right after Psalms. There it is. Proverbs 14, uh, verse 12. <clears throat> so Proverbs 14, verse 12. And man, if you want to talk about the state of man and, and the history of Russell... This is it. Proverbs 14, 12. And I love that it admits. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. Death. Right? And, and I'm telling you, this is one of our false gospels is this isolated gospel, this self-shepherding false idea of I mean, how many times have we had this conversation with ourselves? 
hey, let me get this thing straightened out. Let me fix the situation. And, and then I'll go to the Lord about it. And then I'll go to the church about it. And then I'll go to his people. Right? How many times have I lied to myself about that? Right? And, and we have these self-defeating um, cycles that we get in. I hope you know yours, by the way. Right? That there are these things that I know when I'm in a difficult spot, I kind of go down this cycle. And I think to myself, this will satisfy. And what does it lead to? In the end, what does it lead to? What's the word? Yeah. But at the time, there is a, there is a, a way that it seems, it looks so, ah, it looks like it's going to do it, you know? Um, let me just think of something off the top of my head. Um, did y'all know this is an election year? Did y'all know that? Uh, no. Yeah, surprise, okay? And, and I'm not, I'm never uh, pol political, um, or I'm, I never push a political agenda from the pulpit. But by the way, Christians, we should be political. I hope you're voting. We need to be involved in uh, uh, politics. We need to hopefully pray for our um, representatives, all that stuff. Uh, but uh, this is an election year, but even as I watch these debates, and I don't care where you land, do you know what I, I feel my heart doing? Is I can feel my heart being pulled towards these promises that people make, right? These promises of, of a system of government or these promises of tax break or all this. And I, and I catch myself thinking, hey, there's a way that what? Man, that seems right. That seems like that's going to solve my problem, right? Because part of my problem, I'm always concerned about my bank account, but this guy says that he can help solve that problem. But in the end, guys, what's it going to lead to? Death, right? Um, or I'll, I'll say it this way. I've got, um, in my house, it's me and a bunch of women. So it's me and the wife and the two girls. Even the dog is a girl. Um, even all three cats are girls as well. So it's Russell and girls, okay? Um, and it's fun. Uh, it's uh, it's fun. <laughs> little girls are just little girls. Yesterday we went to Dallas and visited some friends, and they have little girls too. And it was good to see that little girls are the same across the board. They're emotional time bombs, right? And at the slightest touch, they can explode, right? And so, uh, but they also had a little boy. And anytime my friends have little boys, I'm always like, oh, like. Little boys are disgusting, and just, like I just love, I do love, love the girls. Um, so in my house, I've got the wife, and I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, um, and there, I've said this before. Do you want to know who I disagree with more than anyone else in my house? My, minus myself is who? Not me. Minus myself is who? Is the four-year-old, right? There's no one else that I disagree with more than, uh, more than than my four-year-old. Okay, now think about this for a second. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because she's stupid? No. Is it because anything's wrong with her? No. But regularly, she walks into our room in the morning because they wake up at like 5 a.m. Did you know there's two fives in the day, by the way? Not just 5 p.m., there's a 5 a.m. No, they come in about 6 or something. Regularly, the four-year-old comes in and she says, hey, can I have candy for breakfast? Okay. And we've never had candy for breakfast. And what is my answer every time? No, honey, we can't. Okay, so what I do is I disappoint her regularly. Okay, that's part of my job. And here's the thing, is there is a point um, at which I could explain to her, hey, sweetie, 
early in the morning, your digestive system hasn't started yet. You've been, you know, your your intestines have been fasting, and you and you don't want to kickstart them with a bunch of sugar and cocoa. And and what is she going to hear? She's going to hear, I want candy. And so it's yeah, pretty much. And so it's an it's an image that take this tiny little picture. There's a way that seems right to her, right? But in the end, what's it going to lead to? A hurt tummy, right? In the end, it leads to death. And here's the thing. It is not possible for us to completely understand each other. We come from two completely different worldviews right now. We come from years of separation. It is not possible, any parents in the room, amen, by the way, for a four-year-old and a 36-year-old to see eye to eye. It's not possible. Why? And again, I'll say it again. Is it because she's stupid? No. Is there something wrong with her? No. Is it because I'm mean? No. It's because she, I've seen things, I've done things, I know more than her, and there is a point at which she, she just isn't going to completely understand but that me, her father, knows what's best for her. So, so let me say it this way. If that is true between a four-year-old and a 36-year-old, how much more will that be true between a 36-year-old and the God of the universe? Are you with me on this? And this is why when Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, leads to death. This is why I have to regularly preach to myself that, do you want to know who the good shepherd is? It's not me. The good shepherd, by the way, it's not you. It's not my wife. It's not my bank account. What's the, who's the good shepherd? Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why I have to regularly preach this to myself because there's going to be some things that I just can't understand. And this is a hard teaching, isn't it? Because there's so, I mean, there's dozens, dozens of small decisions daily where I think, I've got this. I think, okay, I, I can do this. I don't need the good shepherd. I can shepherd myself in this one. Surely I can figure this one out, right? And the people that are on the older side in this room are the ones going, nope, I made that mistake over and over. Are y'all with me on that, right? And so this is the difference. Remember I said, what's the difference between me and sheep? Is I try to be my own shepherd. Sheep at least are dumb enough to know they can't shepherd themselves, right? Uh, they're, they're blind enough to know that they, they're blind, right? And so this is what uh, I have here is that the reality is I'm not in control. I am daily dependent on the Lord. I think I know what's coming up, but... <laughs> but I really don't. And I have here, where is my confidence? Am I 99% dependent on the Lord or am I 99%? Because um, I've said this before. If we're 99% dependent on God, if there's 1% that I have reserved for myself, I will operate my entire life out of that 1%. You follow me on this? If I have a 1% that I have reserved, that I'm retaining control... I will operate and filter everything in my life through that 1%. This is uh, what I mean when I say that. It was, there was years ago um, when I was a youth pastor, we would go, um, 
we'd go to church camp, then we'd go up to Colorado, and we'd go to Camp Red Cloud, and it was really cool. Um, they have things up there called hills. Have y'all heard of these? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and we'd go up during the summer, and so it was just a breath of fresh air, quite literally, because um, you could walk outside and it's not, you know, 100 degrees. And one of the things that we would do, we'd go, it was a Christian camp, and we'd have counselors assigned to us. And one of the, um, uh, I guess one of the games or like a team building exercise thing we would do is we, everyone would get in line, and you'd, uh, you'd put your hands on the shoulders of the person in front of you, and you'd put on a blindfold, right? Um, and we would be led around by our camp leader, okay? And so, and notice the word led. Notice the word that, that by the way, this, this is a Christian camp, so it's not like they're going to lead us off of a cliff and be like, ha ha, gotcha, you signed us for the waiver, you can't sue us. No, they, they were good. They wanted what was best for us. And so what we do is, and again, you know, it's not like we're, it's not like we're on the mountains, but we're outside, and so you're walking on rocks and grass. And, and the idea is that, is that we're learning to, to just follow this person right in front of us, which at first is quite scary and unnerving because I'm so accustomed to using my eyes. Um, and, but do you want to know, um, anytime, and we've all done this, you have a bandana tied to your face. What are we really doing, by the way? Think about this. When we got this bandana, what, what, what are we doing? There's, there's always that little sliver right here. You know what I mean? And don't pretend like you don't do it to you bunch of liars. There's always, and like any game you're playing with, people are like, can you see? What do you say? No, I can't see. Now listen, can I see 100%? No, but I can usually see about 1%, 2%, right? Or I can even see, you know, kind of through the bandana, I can see images, stuff like that. And so, so this is my point, is that as I have this bandana on, which by the way, I'm not blinded, I'm at, I'm at about two, operating at about two or three percent. Listen, I have this, this person who's leading us, who's shepherding us, who is, who's a good person, by the way. Who, they're not trying to trick me. They're not trying to fool me. They're not trying to hurt us. They're trying to lead us into growth. Oh, excuse me. When they say things like, hey, we're about to walk over a bridge. Listen to this. Do I believe them? Yeah. Right? Do I listen for water under the bridge? Yes. But even if I believe them 100%, what do I still do? I st and so this is what I mean when I say everything they say, I filter it through what? Through my tiny, tiny 1%, right? It's not that I'm thinking, oh, you're a liar. It's not. And, it, and, it, and I know that everywhere they go, I'm going. That everywhere I go, they go. That they're not going to lead me somewhere uh, to harm me. But that's what I mean when I say everything they say, even if it's true and I believe it, I'm still going to filter it through that tiny, tiny 1%, right? And so this is why I have this written down. Where's my confidence? Is it 100% in the good shepherd or is it 99%, right? Because if I'm shepherding myself 1% of the time, then all my decisions are filtered through that 1% versus the reality that I'm not in control of anything, right? And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to lead us. That's what a shepherd does by the way, a shepherd, they don't have a whip. You know that? 
a, a shepherd doesn't stand behind and whip the sheep and say, go, go. What a shepherd does is he says, hey, come on, follow me. And that flock follows him, or they can choose not to. And that's what the Lord uh, wants with us. Last thing, go to Psalm 32. Just flip to the left real quick. Not Psalm 23, Psalm 32, because I want to point out one final thing. This is one of my favorite psalms. <clears throat> and this is on, the, on that context of the good shepherd is leading us, but are we going to follow him? You know? Um, are we going to listen or are we going to filter everything to that 1%? Psalm 32, and I referenced this a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, verse 1, he says, Blessed is he, this is of David, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then it says, Selah, which that just means to pause and reflect on that. And that's something we've talked about at length. He says, my strength was sapped. So this is not an issue of sin being forgiven or not. This is an issue of, is he experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus said he's come to give? Uh, verse 5, then... I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the, what's that word? Guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, not if, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. And then verse 8. Look, this is, the Lord's, uh, this is the Lord's vision. This is what he wants for his church. Verse 8. He says, I will, what's that word right there? Instruct you and, what's that word? Teach you in the way you should go. I will, what's that word? Counsel you and watch over you and so he's painting this picture of a shepherd teaching instructing and counseling them in the way they should go this is inside out theology this is not outside in theology and then he contrasts it look he says verse 9 do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. And so he's, he's, he's painting this picture again of, I want you to be my sheep. I want you to follow me. I want to counsel you. I want to teach you. Do not be like the horse that must be controlled. Uh, there was another time Kins and I went on vacation, and I think it was to Colorado again. And we went uh, horseback riding. And I like riding horses. I'm pretty comfortable on them if they're trained well. But you know, if you've ever gone horseback riding, it, um, each individual horse usually is trained for different commands, different noises. You know, sometimes it's a git or sometimes it's a, you know. And, and so there's always a few little things you need to learn about the horse. And so we went up and I was on, I, I got on my horse and uh, they were pretty laid back. They were just like, all right, get going. And I asked the guy, I was like, hey, how do I make him go? 
And, and the guy looks at me and he goes, you kick it. You kick it. That's it. And that was the entire instruction he gave me. I was like, oh, okay. So I just kind of nudged and, and the horse uh, went along. And so here's the thing I know about riding a horse. It, I don't remember his name. Let's say his name was Buttercup. This is what's not what happened. I didn't walk up and say, hey, Buttercup, I want you to really understand my heart today. Buttercup, I, I really want to counsel you in what I'd like to experience today. Hey, Buttercup, I really want us to connect. I, I really want us to have this wonderful experience. I didn't teach. I didn't counsel. I didn't instruct. You do, do you know what I did? Is I said, Buttercup, go. Right? And, and the Lord, he's, he uses this exact same picture. He says, don't be like that horse that just has to get kicked. It just has to get prodded. Don't be like the horse or the mule. That, 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 that They're not listening, by the way. That, that as I speak, they don't even hear me. What he's saying is, I'm this good shepherd. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10, chapter 10 over and over. He says, the sheep know my voice. And they listen. And a shepherd doesn't have a whip. What he does is he leads. And he says, please follow me. Because he, he, won't, he will not force himself upon you. You know, I, I say this some, and I hope it doesn't offend, and I hope you get what I'm saying here. God is not a divine rapist. He will not force his will on us. He wants to be a shepherd. He wants to say, follow me. Come with me. He wants to teach. He wants to counsel. And he wants to remind, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. By the way, guys, be aware. There's false shepherds, and, and you're not a good self-shepherd. You're not, and he wants us to be aware of that and to constantly put that 100% in him. Not the 99%, because that 1% will always lead us astray. And by the way, if we're still operating out of 1%, I'm still dependent on me. Versus when I'm completely blind, when I really can't see anything, there's absolute full dependency on Jesus. Sorry, I just thought of this last thing. John chapter 10, I'll just read this and, and then we'll be done. When there's 100%, God, I have no other option. I, I truly can't see. Like, I don't mean I have a bandana over my eyes, but I mean I am absolutely blinded, Lord. I am completely dependent on you. This is why, go to John chapter 9 at the end, after Jesus had just healed a man born blind, verse 38 this is before he uh, is talking about being of a good shepherd. He says, the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Do you see the picture he's painting here, by the way? Sheep are 100% blind in this instance. Their job is just to graze. Their job is to follow the shepherd. Anytime you see a picture of a sheep, what are they doing? Their head's down, they're eating. They, can't, they don't even look up for danger. They don't even look up and say, where are we going next? They sit there and they they eat on what the shepherd has provided. And then when the shepherd says, come on, let's go. They go, okay, I'm with you. And he's good, guys. He's good. Oh, I'm a terrible shepherd. 
I am a terrible self-shepherd, and so are you. I love you enough to say that. You're a terrible self-shepherd. Sorry, I know that's really not cultural, but you are. You're, you, we cannot shepherd ourselves. We need uh, Jesus. Now we need Him. Uh, that's, uh, that's all I wanted uh, to say today. Let me pray for us. Um, no, sorry. Don't let me pray for us. Let me lead us in prayer, and please pray with me. Father, thank you for today. And God, thank you that you are the good shepherd. That's, that's true. Uh, and God, the other truth is we are not good shepherds. We're terrible self-shepherds. But we're not designed to lead ourselves. We're really not. That's true. God, our prayer is that we would recognize that and we would submit to that truth. That we wouldn't fight it. God, our prayers that we wouldn't hold on to our 1% and say, well, maybe, uh, I think I got it this time, uh, that, we, that we wouldn't just uh, hold on to that tiny portion that we think we're in control of, but that we would absolutely surrender and say, God, we are 100% dependent on you and that we trust that you're going to lead us to provision and that you're going to make us lie down by green pastures and that uh, the Lord is our shepherd, and so therefore we shall not be in want. And so God, help us just to just to recognize that, because it's already true. We don't pray for it to be true. We pray that we just recognize that it is true, that we recognize what is true, and we wouldn't fight it. And then we would daily seek you as our perfect provision, that we would daily seek you as our daily bread, that you said, I am... Uh, bread of heaven, and that we would daily look to you to bring light to darkness. And you said, I am the light of the world. And that we look to you as our protector. When you said, I am the gate, uh, I will protect my sheep. And that, Lord, we would understand you're a good shepherd. You're leading us. When you said, I am the good shepherd, that we would just say, that's right. You'd say, that's right, because uh, I can't do it. So this is our prayer, Lord. Uh, we pray that this week in, in the thousands of of tiny ways that this can affect us, we pray we would allow it to. In everything uh, we do, just complete surrender to you and recognize we just can't do it. And maybe we don't understand fully, uh, but one day uh, we will. And so, um, and thank you that you're with us and that you're for us. Um, and I pray that as we walk out of here, our focus isn't on the sheep, but it's on the shepherd. Our focus is not on the dumbness of the sheep, but the love of the good shepherd. Uh, and that's what you will write on our hearts. So this is our prayer. Amen.